Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team from baseball's top personalities the great chris russo joins us once again to the game's top players joining us is the all-star matt chapman with us you never know what stories you're going to hear if you make your way down here i, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great chris townsend this is a's unfiltered with chris townsend well whenever you can have a baseball hall of famer on the program here on a's cast live uh, we're, we always appreciate when we have him on. Of course, he's a two-time World Series champion, a two-time All-Star, and one of the greatest pitchers and curveballs you've ever seen. Bert Blylevin, and we have Ray Fossey with us also, as you guys played a lot against each other. Bert, thank you so much for stopping by again. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure. Believe me, anytime I can talk to Ray Fossey and talk some baseball, you know, just two old guys just reminiscing about the good old days. <laughs> Well, how, how did how did we get you off the golf course? I'd like to know that. Have you already played? Baseball? Well, I have not played in about almost three months now. I had a uh, what they call a complete reverse shoulder replacement, so I got a whole new shoulder. So at seventy years old, I'm going to make a comeback. Well, you can do it. So, but you know what? Yeah, I, but Bert, <laughs> go, go, I mean, you, you if anybody could, you could, especially with a curveball, which is. You know, the, the one thing that I remember, 1969, we were down in Florida in the Instructional League, and this young skinny kid comes in and starts dropping his hammer, and I'm going, what is this? And it was you. And I said, I've got to face this my whole career if he stays in the American League, and I do too. What was that like coming in into the Instructional League? You made it to the big leagues in 70, but starting in 69, Instructional League, I know I faced you down there with the curveball. What was that like for you to get started? Well, Ray, I think that kind of jump-started my career because I just signed out of high school that year. Uh, I was invited to Instructional League, and that the game you're talking about was a championship game. Ed Farmer against myself, and we ended up winning that ball game one to nothing. Uh, I ended up going, I think, 8-0 down there in Instructional League, and that enabled me to be not on the 40-man roster, but to go to spring training the next year with the Twins in 1970. And uh, Bill Rigney, they said, you know, he, he was a manager that he kind of fell in love with me. But, you know, we had Jim Perry, Jim Cott, Louis Tion, Dave Boswell. We had a four-man pitching staff back then, and at 19 years old, you know, there wasn't room for me. Uh, and then around uh, the end of May, uh, Tiant and Boswell both got hurt, darn it. And I was pitching pretty well <laughs> down in uh, AAA, and I, I got the call, and, uh, you know, I, I got to stay there. So that, that, that to me, 
<clears throat> was an opportunity and I took advantage of it. Well, definitely took advantage of it, Bert. And, and the one thing, when you see pitchers today, and I know you had a great 25-year broadcasting career with the Minnesota Twins and the great Dick Bremer, but when you see pitchers and players in general come to the big leagues as quickly as they are, take us back to whatever you did, because you didn't pitch that much in the minor leagues. As you mentioned, in 70, you came up having not pitched that much in minor league baseball. But how would you compare what you did then to some of the players and pitchers that you see come up so quickly in today's baseball? Well, I think, Ray, the first thing that helped me, first of all, the good Lord gave me a good curveball. He gave me control of a fastball. Uh, I, I watched. Uh, God gave me two ears. I took in what I needed, and then I threw out the rest out of the other ear. I had a great pitching coach in Marv Grissom who changed my delivery a little bit in 1970 so I wouldn't throw across my body as much and utilize the lower part of my body. I think the big thing is I watched Jim Perry, who won the Cy Young in 1970 with, you know, a little slider, changing speeds. Uh, Jim Cott, you know, these guys were veterans at the time, Ray, and they kind of took me in like a younger brother. You know, I'd go out to eat with them. We talked baseball, you know, yeah. talking to see the, the personality of Louis Tion, you know, how much he enjoyed life and the way he went about his business, even though he was injured most of the year. Dave Oswell, God bless him. You know, I mean, he's he's no longer with us, but what a competitor between the lines. So I watched, I listened, and I tried to take a lot of that in. And you being a former catcher, George Meadowell was my first catcher. And then they made a trade for Phil Roof in 1971, huh. and he kind of became my personal catcher. And he learned me so, he taught me so much about learning how to pitch, not throw. And I think that at a young age, that was, you know, so important to me to have that mentor like Phil Roof behind the plate to kind of guide me through, you know, my first couple of years in the big leagues. Well, I know the catcher's fraternity appreciates kind words like that because, you know, it's kind of something that we do. And I'm glad to hear you say that. But Bert, the signature curveball, and like I said, when I first saw that in 69, and then I know Cody Elias, uh, uh, Townie's great producer, got all the numbers, and he said, I, I didn't do well against you, which I'm not surprised. But how did you develop such a great curveball, not only to develop the curveball, but to throw it for strikes the way you did? Well, you know what, Ray, it's a funny story because I grew up in Southern California. My dad was a huge Dodger fan. I became an Angel fan when they moved to Anaheim in 1966. But I used to listen to the radio because a lot of games weren't on TV. And I would listen to Ben Scully and Jerry Doggett describe Sandy Koufax's curveball. And at that hmm. time, it was called a drop straight right. over the top, 12 to 6. And, uh, you know, the mounds were higher back in 65 and 66, and they lowered the mound after the great 68 season that pitching, you know, dominated the game of baseball. But I always pictured and I visualized the straight over-the-top curveball. Everybody holds the ball differently. Uh, Daryl Kyle, the late Daryl Kyle, he had a great curveball. And I remember running into him and talking about the curveball uh, also, uh, Steven Strasburg, when you get a chance to talk to guys like that and you see how they grip the ball, biggest, biggest thing was utilizing the seams of the baseball to create that good tight spin. And everybody holds it different, but the end result is my 
big knuckle on my thumb always had to be on top of the ball when I released the curveball. Not on the side. It kind of spins, uh, you know, east to west. But I wanted a more of the north to south type break. And the only way you're going to get it is get that snap, if you can hear that, straight yeah. down. And But everything keyed off the fastball. I learned that from Phil Rue. You can have a good curveball. You can have a good secondary pitch. Fastball so important to be able to hit your spots. And, you know, I'm the pitching coach of the Dutch team for the WBC. And the first thing I give them, I give the Ted Williams hitting chart. And I'm sure you've seen it, Ray. He said if every pitch was down and away to a great hitter like Ted Williams, he would have hit 230, 240, 250. But what's that tell you as a pitcher? Control. Right outer half of the plate, pitch in for a purpose like Don Drysdale told me to do. Knock somebody on their butt once in a while. But when you need a bread and butter pitch, you better be able to hit that spot down and away with your fastball, right or left-handed hitter. Well, we've just experienced that with the A's and Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas and, and Jesus Lozardo, some of the young pitchers doing exactly that, and they've had success. Now, Bert, I saw the late Bob Walsh pitch. He had a great curveball as well. Yes, he now, did. He, yes, he, he did. could throw it. He had throw it first pitch, Bert, and more times than not, he would get a strike. From your standpoint, throwing your great curveball, and I know Phil said the fastball, but if you threw the curveball first pitch, what percentage of time, you know, I'm putting you on the spot as far as that you could throw it for a strike, and how much did that help you set up the rest of the at bat when you were able to throw that Thank outstanding you. curveball over a strike? I'm going to say 80% because that curveball is not my strikeout curveball. That's a get me over curveball to get strike one because a lot of guys are looking fastball, dead red, their first pitch. Here you are. Most important thing for a pitcher, get ahead in the count. You You don't do your bread and butter strikeout curveball until you get two strikes. You know what I mean? I mean... You will, yeah. that's when you want to bury that hitter and throw that cur- good hard curveball where the catcher has to almost catch it below his shin guards, you know, right. to make it break over the plate. But to get strike one, hey, here's a little spinner, you know, I want to make sure, but I had so much confidence and I, I always pictured, and a lot of my side pieces were this way, Ray. Fastball, I got the seventh game of the World Series, bases loaded. I got a one-run lead, bottom of the ninth inning, 3-2 hitter on the on three two count on the hitter. I'm going to throw him that curveball. Boom, there it is. I win. Uh, we won the World yeah. Series, just like that. You play That's the game great. within the game. Well, you, you did it exceptionally well in the Hall of Fame. You should have been there long before 2011, which we'll get to uh, in a moment. But I want to ask you, because you pitched in an era where there was a four-man rotation. And now, of course, it's five. Some clubs going to six. Uh, you approach sometimes close to 300 innings, which is unheard of. Now they're they're hoping to get to 200 innings, which uh, you know a lot of pitchers will never do that. But talk about the conditioning. And you mentioned four very good pitchers that the Twins had prior to the injuries, and you came up. But then pitching in the four-man rotation, what was that like? And how would you compare it to somebody today pitching in a five-man? I always considered Ray that my arm was nothing more than a whip. The lower part of my body had to be strong. I was a yeah. distance runner in high school. I ran cross country. I ran cross country for 23 years in the big leagues. Uh, it, it, what it did is if I had a bad outing, I would go run. I remember a game in Houston. I don't think I made it past the second or third inning. I was so frustrated. would have been easy for me to go up to the clubhouse and start drinking beer and felt sorry for myself. I went out and in July in Houston, Texas, 
and went out and ran out the stadium. And I just kept running and running and running. I was so upset at myself for the way I performed that finally when I did stop, I felt like Forrest Gump. I turned around and said, where's the ballpark? I don't see it anymore. I was looking for an Uber to get me back to the stadium. But by the time I got back, it was almost, the game was almost over by the time I got wow. back. And you know what? My next start, I went nine innings again. But I got the the ugliness of that outing out of me by conditioning my lower part of my body. My I My mind controlled my body. My body didn't control my mind. I was thinking of Forrest Gump when you were saying that <laughs> the same way. Just run, Forrest, run. You, you run, know, you, you, run. Talk, <laughs> you, you, you talked about some great pitchers with the Twins, but I want to bring up a couple of guys who are in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, one has passed on. The great late Harmon Killebrew and Rod Carew. From the position player standpoint, what did those guys mean to you? Oh, I mean, I mean Harmon. I think taught me how to treat people and, and to sign a good autograph. That's first of all, yeah. like not like yeah. the players of today that, you know, but my autograph with you was always legible. Uh, Rod Carew, you know, I just actually just started. I talked to Rod yesterday uh, via a text and he wants to get on Twitter and uh, uh, his, uh, his son uh, Devin is helping him get on Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram and Rod's, kind of coming out of his shell a little bit, but uh, he's doing yeah. well and he's excited to get, uh, you know, uh, yeah, just live life. You know, he's been through so much, him and his wife, Rhonda, but uh, they're good people. And I, I think the biggest thing is when you're around guys like that, Tony Oliva, it's how yeah. they treat other people. Uh, they're just, they're just outstanding people. And you try to take that into your everyday life. You know, you, you finally got on the Hall of Fame in 2011, which uh, I know I'd interview you, and you're a great interview, and always appreciated the time when you're broadcasting, and I always say, why? Why not? You know, and you you finally did. What was it like for you to finally get in the Hall of Fame and, and be able to put that Burt Bly 11 HOF 2011 on Facebook? Well, Ray, it took me 14 years, and I figured, you know, in time, I was upset at the beginning because I wanted my pops. You know, I was born in Holland. My dad came over with, you know, hardly any money in his pocket and gave us a better life, uh, my my four sisters and two brothers. And, uh, you know, I, I wanted him there. And then when he passed away of Parkinson's uh, and Alzheimer's, uh, you know, that kind of upset me. But I figured, you know, long run. What's my last name? Bly 11. Bly 11. So they put me in in 2011. So it kind of rang, you know, I kind of went together. But uh, you know what? I miss broadcasting. I miss uh, watching the game and, and trying to instruct uh, viewers out there the not only what the game's about, but also have a lot of fun with it. Uh, I did not want to retire, but, uh, you know, I, I am now. Uh, that's okay. I'm, I accept that. But uh, I had a chance to do a college game uh, about a week ago, but that was canceled because of the COVID. And uh, it was going to be uh, uh, Creighton against uh, uh, Connecticut. So my next one is going to be at the end of May when they have the uh, Big East uh, Championship Series uh, in uh, Mason, Ohio. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Well, I'll say this, uh, listening to you as much as I did, you were a great broadcaster, and I'm very disappointed that 25 years came to an end. But, Bert, I want to ask you a very simple question. 287 wins, 
you know, fifth in strikeouts. And, you know, whereas, of course, Nolan Ryan, you know, I don't think anybody ever touched that. But what would it have meant to you, do you think, from the Hall of Fame standpoint, to get an additional 13 wins, which if people looked at the, I mean, you're almost like the Jacob DeGrom of today, you know, pitch great, pitch a shutout and you may win, you know, but that's not always the case because your run support, but 13 wins is all kind of like a 300 wins automatic, just like 3000 hits for a hitter, et cetera. How much do you think that maybe the writers didn't look at your career in total and see the number of complete games you had, which is off the chart, the number of innings you pitched, and all these other things, the lack of run support at times. How much do you think that affected them not voting you in much earlier? Yeah, I don't know, Ray. Uh, you know, you can sit back and say, I'm, I'm just thank the good Lord that I have the opportunity to play a kid's game for 23 years. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you had to go through your injuries, the elbow surgery, the shoulder surgery, all that stuff, but I'll tell you what, nothing beats having the opportunity to walk into a clubhouse and see 24 other guys with a smile on their face and you got to somehow entertain them. I miss that. Yeah. I miss the, I miss the, the competition uh, on the mound between hitter and batter. I, I miss that, uh, you know, between the, the pitcher and, and the hitter. But, uh, you know, I, I think it took the writers a long time to finally realize that I won over 13 games in high school. And they added those into my uh, 287. <laughs> oh, that's great. And oh, by the way, 242 complete games. You know, it, it may take uh, a, a team or a league 10, 10 years to get 242 in the day's, day, day's game. So it, it's, it's remarkable. You know, when you know the one that I like, right? The one that I like is the 60 shutouts. Uh, that to yeah, me, yeah. that's what. You know, the 242 complete games were good, but if you can go out there and shut out the opponent, and what that does is it gives the bullpen a day off. Uh, I don't like the yeah. game the way it is today. I don't like the pitch yeah. count, never will. Nobody's going to ever yeah. convince me that, you know, 100 pitch pitches is that magic mark. I don't like see a guy coming out in the fifth and sixth inning when runners are on base, and why not? <laughs> why can't he work his way out of it? I don't like that at all. I never will. And uh, I'm, I'm actually glad now that I'm not broadcasting the games because I'd probably just say some <laughs> foul words up there that, that would probably get me in trouble again. <laughs> well, you're preaching to the choir because I know Chris Townsend and I talk about that same thing. You know, how can a guy come out and all that? Constantly, but, you know, Ray. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> 77 but, but, pitches and you're in the sixth inning and they're pulling yeah. you. It's like, are you kidding me? Well, I, I, well, I like the one they, the other. Plus they have another, plus they have a week off, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Bert, I was looking the other day when uh, Scherzer and, and uh, Kershaw went head to head, you know, this magnificent starting assignment for both. They went six innings each and combined salary over $60 million. So, yeah, mm -hmm. to your point, exactly that. Now, several years ago, when A.J. Griffin was with the Athletics, and he gave up a lot of home yes. runs, and you were, you were kind enough because you guys were in town. It was a rain delay, which is odd in Oakland. I went to the clubhouse. I got A.J. in his uniform, and I said, come on, I want you to, to meet somebody. And I brought him up the elevator, and you talked to him about – home runs because he was giving up a lot. You gave up 50 in one year. I know I caught Catfish Hunter. A lot of those were solos. 
Talk about the home run and the importance of, first of all, throwing strikes the way you did to give up that many home runs, but also not putting guys on base in front of them to make sure that they were, in most cases, solo home runs. Yeah, I never minded giving up a home run as long as I'm a challenge a hitter. Of course, you'd, you know, you'd like every pitch to be where you visualize it's going to be before you throw it, but it doesn't happen that way. And, you know, I gave up not only 51 year, I gave up 96 in two years. And I led the league in innings pitch. And I, I also won 17 ball games one year and the 15 the other. So, you know, we had a pretty good ball club with uh, Herbeck and Puckett and Gaetti and Bernanski. We had guys that can hit the ball in the ballpark. And, uh, you know, what I saw in 85, 86, 87 was the same thing I saw the last couple of years. That ball is different. It's, it's got a rabbit in it with its whole family. <laughs> You know, uh, back in the 70s, Ray, we used to be able to get a, a, a baseball. And if you squeeze really hard, you'd see that cow hide or now horse hide, whatever it was. You'd see a little wrinkle in there. Try doing that today. Today's baseball is like a golf ball. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I know Joe Madden said, uh, uh, stamp what, uh, Titleist, uh, A2000, whatever it's Titleist, you know, <laughs> you know, on that baseball. But uh well, you the know, kids are bigger and stronger. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's right, two ballparks. Right. There's two ballparks that I wished I had pitched in: Yellowstone and uh, and Yosemite. <laughs> they had no fences. <laughs> you, you know, speaking of home runs, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you have a conversation with the uh, late great Hall of Famer Robin Roberts, who I think gave yes. up some home runs as well? What was yes, that like? Yes, he did. And, uh, you know, you you go about your business. You're out there. You challenge the hitter. We didn't, Robin. Just like myself, we didn't walk a lot of guys. So, hey, you know what? If you get to six to one, yeah, you don't want. I never wanted to give up a run, but I'd rather give up a home run than maybe two doubles because if you give up a base hit, now it's two runs. You know, you, know, yeah. you walk somebody and creates the havoc. So, you go about your business. You challenge them. You play that kid's game as long as you can. And when you when you turn around and your career's over with, you say, I gave it all I got. You, you got to be able to look in the mirror and say, I gave it all I got. It was fun. Well, speaking of the kids game, you took it in the broadcast booth because you did something that is still probably your signature. And that is circle me Bert. How did that start? Well, it started when Fox gave me a, a telestrator in Kansas city and they said, you know, use it. And, and I said, uh, you know, how do I use it? They said, well, kind of like John Madden does in football with the X's and O's. I, that's not baseball. That, that's, you know, that's for John Madden to do. So it was a Kansas City, uh, in Kansas City, there was a twin fan in the upper deck and about the seventh inning, you know, they kept talking on my ear, try to find a way to use the telestrator. So I circled this young man and I said, hey, you know, you're here by circle. I circled you. And so one thing we went to Detroit, somebody brought a sign and they said, you know, we drove 646 miles from Detroit Lakes to watch the twins play. They had a nice sign. I circled it and it, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And actually, you know what? I'm at home right here in Fort Myers, Florida, and I have a lot of my bobbleheads and I'm on eBay right now. I'm on eBay right now and we're donating these bobbleheads to a company out of Minnesota that this young man is called Changing Gates, uh, yeah. and what he he was a former uh, drug addict, uh, alcohol, and he turned his life around 23 years ago. He's got a farm in Brook Park, Minnesota. He's bringing in men and older kids 
that have issues with drugs and drinking and stuff like that. And he's, he deals around horses. He tries to get horses to cure these men. And uh, it's a fantastic organization and all the proceeds uh, uh, are going to, to hopefully help him continue his journey in life as far as uh, helping so many others. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I know you and Gail uh, are very instrumental in, in helping with various charities, and I know that was one of them, and, and uh, that, that's really admirable for you to do that. I, I actually uh, saw that uh, spot where he was talking about that and the horses, and, and just uh, and that's just outstanding. So great, uh, great for you and Gail to do that. I have to ask you in closing, and I don't want to hold you up because I know you probably have a tea time, but when you had a birthday recently on April the 6th, by the way, congratulations and uh, happy belated birthday. <laughs> you, 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 you had a visit. You had a visit from a guy named Johan Santana who brought you not only a bottle of Dom Perignon, but a bunch of Snicker bars. Why yeah. the Snickers? <laughs> I, I know you, you know can't what? talk this about is, it. <laughs> this is a family show. Uh, that, that, that has to be, and, and I did tell the story with some women around, and after I said that, my wife said, why did you say that? Why did you tell that story? But it has something to do with a team picture. And uh, I, I, yeah, know. It, uh, yeah. I know you can't talk about it. I know you can't talk about it. <laughs> but you know what? It, I still remember, and this is, I'm going to be honest, uh, in Anaheim, you know, they take the team picture. Ray, you've been in, you know, 100 team pictures, and, you know, the last five or six the camera guy says always you know do it do what you feel comfortable doing well the first thing i did is drop my drawers and moon you know the picture <laughs> well lo and behold in anaheim mr autry was sitting in the front row and i'm in the back row and all of a sudden you know the last couple of pictures i'm got my pants down and turned the other way toward the camera and and uh, about two weeks later uh, Mrs. Autry, during the ball game, comes and tells Doug Rader, hey, I want to see Bert. So, you know, I'm sitting at the end of the bench, probably lighting somebody's shoe on fire. And uh, I go down there and I thought, oh, my God, you know, I'm 40 years old. She's going to release me. She goes, come here. You, you got to take you got to look at this picture. And sure enough, it's a team picture with my better, better face right over Mr. Autry's shoulder. And she says, you have to sign this for Jean. And Ray, if you ever go to Anaheim and you go up into her booth, there's the 19, I believe, 89 photo of the team picture. And she uses that one. And she said when she brings guests in during the ballgame, they'll look at the team pictures and then look real quick and then go to the next and then go back and look at it again like, whoa, that's a full moon. <laughs> Well, I think all in that fun. just all in fun. Yeah, all in fun, and and you had it. You talked about life. that's a whole nother program. But uh, listen, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to uh, to visit with us. I know the fans out here in the Bay Area who listen to this on A's Caster truly enjoy great conversation with the Hall of Famer. Like I said, you should have been long in long before 2011. I'm glad you got in. You're a great person, and uh, everything you're doing in life continue because you are a great person oh, god bless you well thank you thank you ray and you know what's so nice about this interview chris hardly said anything this is awesome <laughs> this is awesome thank you so much ray and 
No, God bless you guys. And go Oakland A's. You know, I hope you guys continue. You've got a great organization there led by a good man and my former uh, teammate, Billy Bean. So keep it up, guys. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.